you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk podcast, and it is so easy to get lost on the creative journey. That's why this show exists to help you and me get back on the path to reaching our creative potential. I'm your host, Andy J. Let's get into this episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. spend a lot more time in my creative practice creating from a place of fear and anxiety and worry and this FOMO than I would care to admit. And I just have this feeling that, you know, (laughs) that, you know, creativity is supposed to be a gift. A lot of us got into our creative pursuits and on this creative journey, we said yes to the creative call to adventure because we loved making this work and we were passionate about it. But somewhere along the way, we quit listening to that and building on that. And we started to build on the foundation of fear of getting left behind, of not being seen, of missing the trend, of not knowing the right software, to missing the, I'm not on the right social media platforms. And you know, and you start creating from all that energy You're not going to be making stuff that is coming from a deep place, from a a meaningful place. You're not going to be spending your time creating from that, that inner internal foundation where great work comes from. 
And so if you feel like you're spending too much time lately creating from a place of fear, creating from a place of anxiety, just trying to keep up, worried you're getting left behind, if that is where you're at right now, this episode is for you because I want you to shift. I want us, me and you, because I can get stuck in this as much as you can, I'm sure. I want us to, at the start of this year, take a minute to get mindful about what is motivating us. What is our internal mechanism? What, where do we actually want to build the foundation of our creative practice? Do we want to build it on the latest trend, the latest software, and the latest social media platform? Or do we want to build it on a thing that will outlast all of those things? If that's you, if you want to get into a better zone and create from those beautiful, passionate, loving places from within you, if that's where you want your creativity to spring forward out of, this episode is for you. Let's talk about how to do that. the first thing you got to do to shift that foundation and start creating from that deep place that is timeless within you uh, and build your career on that thing, that, that solid foundation. First thing you got to do is you've really got to build the practice on you. Now I want to get into, I actually want to pull apart and deconstruct what that means because you've heard it a million times. It's not that helpful when someone's like, you know, you just got to put yourself in the work. You just got to be you, man. You, you do you. And you're like, I don't know who I am. Scientists don't know who we are. You know, astrophysicist Brian Cox, like he's one of the smartest people in the world and his best recent guess of what you are is probably a hologram of some kind. And then if you're like, really? And he's like, I have no idea. And so <laughs> that kind of suggestion, that advice isn't that helpful, really, without any practical ways to bring that to life. To kind of explain what I mean, I feel like I got to tell you that, you know, sometimes when I go on social media, it kind of feels like you're roaming through a town where nobody knows who you are. You know, Twitter's like the news agent. You go to get the news. You go to the corner shop. You expect someone to look up from the paper and give you a, hey, Andy, what's happening? But nobody looks up. No notifications. Nobody cares. Everyone just running around with their heads on fire. Just, well, ah, the world's crazy. You're like, okay, I guess I'll go to the park, the picturesque park of Instagram and just take a load off and take a seat on the bench and maybe I'll run into some neighbors and, and strike up a conversation. But you get over there, nobody pays you any attention. This person's, cele this celebrity's dog's account is getting more affection than you. They're like, oh, look who it is. It's Rascal. <laughs> They're petting the dog at the park and you're just sitting there alone on the bench. Facebook is like the coffee shop that you've been going to since high school, but somehow things have shifted and your parents' friends are actually more popular in this coffee shop than you. You know, Brian's dad says to Chris's dad, they let people like you in here and the whole place erupts with likes and comments with the lamest dad jokes you've ever heard. And just, you know, they're all coming through getting the boomer special caramel macchiato, no coffee, three sugars. It's your usual, right, Carl? And you're like, oh, man, what? Like, golly, nobody knows who I am. Nobody cares that I'm even in these places. 
And, you know, when someone does give you the attention online, when the algorithm messes up and actually allows some people to actually see what you're doing, it's like you're standing in front of the cashier. She's looking into your eyes. She's smiling. She's asking you, you know, what name should I put on this order? Who are you? And it's like, boom, you can't tell her. Even if you had the entire internet giving you their undivided attention, you couldn't tell them who you are. And it's not just because of the, the weight of, you know, the entire world ignoring you has finally crushed you and you don't have the will to tell them. You, you can't tell them who you are because you don't know. It's like, what if you slash the guy in this story walking around the town is so bothered about whether anyone else knows who he is that he never bothered to stop and realize that he doesn't even know himself. The barista asks for his name and he's like, oh crap, I don't even know. I don't know who I am. No wonder no one else does. I don't even know if, is it, am I even from this town? Like, I don't know. And it's a ridiculous story. But if the whole internet turned to you and said, what name should we put on this order? What, who are you? Could you tell them? Are you so concerned with whether anyone else knows who you are that you haven't bothered to ask whether you do? I can get caught up in this. I can get caught up in the, you know, the celebrity's dog that has more followers than I do and be like, man, who knows who I am? Anybody? Well, no one will if you don't. And if astrophysicist Brian Cox can't tell you who you are, whether you're a hologram or some kind of, you know, biological radio beaming in consciousness from beyond the, the 10th dimension, I don't know. I can't, if he can't, I can't tell you, but I can tell you what my favorite answer is. And it comes from a guy named Mike McCarg. He goes by Science Mike. He used to have his Twitter profile little blurb said that, Something like you are a billion neurons telling a story. All these neurons in your brain, they're all coming together and saying, you're Andy, you're an illustrator who's 35 and this story that they're telling together, that is your sense of self. That's your sense of consciousness. That's who you are. You are a story. And in this episode, I want to help you unlock your story because that's who you are. And if you can build your creative practice, your creative journey on that foundation, that internal thing, if you can quit looking at all the externals for who you are and start looking on the, the inside for what to build your practice on, you're going to find, you're going to see, if you go look out into the world, you're going to see these creators that have not kept up with the latest trends beyond their own curiosities that have not rushed to this or that app or, you know, running around with their head cut off trying to figure out how do I stay relevant? No, you're going to see the people that have built their practice on who they are. Like people like Danny Elfman. You ever heard of Danny Elfman? I was at Christmas with my in-laws and I was like, did anybody know that Danny Elfman was, I think he was the lead singer for the eighties band Oingo Boingo? And they were like, first of all, who's Danny Elfman? 
because none of them knew who he was. I thought he was kind of a household name. He's done soundtracks for a billion really huge movies, things like Edward Scissorhands and Nightmare Before Christmas, a whole bunch of others. You definitely have his music stuck in the furthest regions of your brain. And yet you might not know his name, but guess what? It doesn't matter if you know who he is, he knows who he is. You know, I was listening to him on Sound Exploder talk about writing the, the, the main song for Nightmare Before Christmas. And I didn't know this. He actually sings that song for Jack Skellington in the movie. And he asked Tim Burton if he could do it because the song was so him. It was about him going from this Halloween town to discovering Christmas town and just needing this new lease on life. And that's where Danny Elfman was at the end of his band, Oingo Boingo. He was like, I've got to, I've got to find something new. And he was living, he could, because he was tapped into the truth of his story, which he said, by the way, for the longest time, he wasn't. He had an intuitive sense that the band was over years before he left it, but it was through making this art and facing his story and tapping into the inside of him that he was able to make these classic songs and actually embody them. And if you listen to that song, What Is This?, and you listen to it, you can hear, like, this is someone speaking from their own truth in the midst of this story in real life. And it's powerful. And even though that movie didn't do well initially, it became this like huge cult classic success. And I have to think it's a little bit because of Danny Elfman knew his story. And when you know your story, there's a richness, a timelessness that you can build your practice on. Speaking of which, Mark Mothersbaugh had a very similar trajectory. He was uh, the lead singer of Devo and went on to make soundtracks for people like Wes Anderson and the Lego movies and all kinds of his, his stuff is fantastic. You might not know his name. You probably knew Whip It, but his career has been so much more than that since because he's tapped into, I have to believe, himself as the foundation instead of the passing uh, music, pop crazes. When you have a sense of who you are and you create from that, I think you can have this rich foundation. You can also see ideas when they come to you that are for you. You know, I think about Lin-Manuel Miranda telling Barack Obama that he wanted to write a rap opera about Alexander Hamilton and Obama being like, I don't think that's a good idea. That's, that's what Obama said. And the reason why, on the surface, it sounds ridiculous. The first time you heard the Hamilton premise, you were probably like, that's not going to work. But the reason why it worked was because Lin-Manuel knew his story. He knew, and he knew the story of rappers that said they were going to write their way out in the same way that Hamilton did, writing essay after essay after essay and changing his life by writing his way out. Because, because Lynn knew his story, he recognized it in that biography and he recognized the ideas that were for him. When you know your story, you also are going to be able to recognize the ideas that aren't for you because sometimes ideas are going to come to you and you're going to be excited because they're good ideas. I think about people like Ray Romano talking about 
really bad taste joke that he used to tell in his younger days. And he had this comedy manager be like, hey, that's not your joke, man. Like when you say that, it's inauthentic. It breaks people out of you channeling you. And it's a good joke. It's just not a joke for you. And I think when you have a sense of this is who I am, this is my story, even in a broad sense, it can help you filter out and figure out what to get rid of. We're going to be talking about that kind of stuff in the new year this time around. So the first thing you got to do is you got to build your practice on you and who are you? You are your story. second thing you got to do is to, to really build on who you are, build on your story and to know your story. You've got to name your obstacle and, you know, telling you to build your practice on your story is just as abstract as saying, be you, man, build it. You be you in your art, put yourself in the art. It's just as abstract. You know, I'm not going to leave you there. That's not the podcast you're listening to. It's not just a bunch of empty, nice ideas. I want to give you some practical, tactical steps on how to actually implement this idea. Look, we've scratched this before and I'm not a scarcity guy. Okay, I, I like to share the best of my ideas and practices and the things that have helped me the most. But this idea, I just want to highlight that this idea is currently my favorite idea, so much so that I have just a little bit of <laughs> resistance to fully sharing it. So I just had to acknowledge it, just had to acknowledge that you know, lizard brain side of myself that's like, don't tell them. No, I want people to go out and I want great stories to be told because I think, I really think that that is a huge part of the answer of how we're going to get to better places of, is, is telling better stories. And, and so I'm going to share it, okay? And you might be like, Man, that is your thing? This is my thing. Okay, here it is. I, when I think about storytelling, the kind of stories I like to tell, the story structure that I've been experimenting with recently in a whole bunch of ways, is this notion of, and it's kind of a, before you be like, Andy, I've heard this before. Look, you sound like Trump, first of all. Andy, I've heard it. We've all heard it. <laughs> I've never done a Trump impression. Oh, should I cut it? Should I leave it? I'll leave that up to you, Connor, uh, my editor. Um, <laughs> okay, <clears throat> back on track. <laughs> this, is, this is what podcasts are for. Here's how I, this is a mashup of a bunch of, I've read a bunch of books on story, listened to a bunch of experts on story. It's a mashup of a bunch of ideas with my own twists so that I can use this structure in real time. So when I go to try to create a story, what I'm thinking about is this idea of the main character wants something that's going to, that they think is going to meet a need. Then something blocks them. There's a conflict. Something blocks them getting what they want. But if it's a comedy, not a funny, you know, story, but meaning it's a happy ending. That's the old word for happy ending, comedy versus tragedy. If it's a comedy, then the thing that stopped them getting them what they want gives them what they need more than what they thought they wanted. Okay? Just to give you, I'll give you a few examples. The first one is, the first Toy Story 
I think all the toy stories are actually the same kind of framework. <clears throat> a lot of good stories are like this. First toy story is Woody wants to be number one because he thinks it's going to give him the connection that he needs. You know, he's going to have that connection with Andy. That's going to be that connection, that relational connection that he needs. But what happens is Buzz comes in and steals the number one spot, right? And so he can't get what he wants. But his connection to Buzz is the actual friendship, not the hierarchical, competitive kind of connection of being number one, but the brotherly best buds connection of a real friendship is actually what he needs. We won't read out yet if the air is breathable, and there seems to be no sign of intelligent life anywhere. Hello? Oh, yeah! Ah! Whoa, 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 did I frighten you? Sorry, howdy, my name is Woody, and this is Andy's room. Okay, so that's how that little thing plays out. We're gonna get to, I promise you, just Get your popcorn out. I'm going to do, I'm going to give you two more examples just to bring it home before we bring it home to how it relates to your creative practice. I promise it's going to. I've talked about on the show before, Sister Act's one of my favorite ones, okay? Sister Act, Sister Mary Clarence, she wants to self-actualize through her music. That's what she needs. And so she wants to make it in Reno because she thinks that's going to do it for her. But what happens? She gets put in a convent undercover in witness protection and it stops her from getting her what, what she wants, making it in Reno. I'm kind, I, I got to tell you, I'm just going to be honest with you. So I, feel, I honestly feel like podcasts are the space for the authenticity, for the behind the scenes, for the mess ups, keep them in. I, that's what I like out of a podcast. So I hope you don't mind. Even as I'm telling you this, I'm like, ah. I love this so much. I'm just a little bit afraid to just share it because it's personal. These are my personal ideas that I, I, these are the things that get me up in the morning and I don't, you know, they're almost sacred. And so I feel a little bit, I'm, I'm just saying you better appreciate it because, because maybe, I'm sorry. Anyway, so what, what stops her being in witness protection in the nunnery from getting what she wants? That's what gives her what she needs because she, self-actualizes through her music in the choir in the nunnery. See? Happy story. One last one. School of Rock, one of my favorite movies of all time. He needs to play one amazing rock show. So he wants to, with his band, win Battle of the Bands. But what happens? He gets kicked out of his band. It stops him from, from doing that, from getting what he wants. He gets threatened to get kicked out of his apartment so he has to go pretend to be a substitute teacher and that sub job that's the thing in between him actually being able to do rock music and play one amazing show actually ends up being the place where he finds his new bandmates and spoiler alert i know a lot of you are waiting to see school of rock uh spoiler alert they don't win battle of the bands he doesn't get what he wants but he does get what he needs he plays one killer rock show by evidence of getting asked, even though they're second place, to come and do an encore. And, uh, and it's just a classic example of this. Why am I telling you that? Because when it comes to finding your story, the bedrock of who you are and what made you you, 
I think that this framework and understanding it can help you see your life as a story and help you relate to the conflicts of your life in such a way where they are the bedrock of your practice. You know, discovering the hero's journey. We talked about this in a recent episode. We're going to keep talking about this because I've been thinking a lot about why the creative journey Why is that what I have built this podcast on? Why is that the thing I keep coming back to over and over again? And for me, it's because, you know, finding the hero's journey, which is really just a story structure that we use over and over again, it changed my mindset from the, from the fixed mindset to the growth mindset. It changed like uh, Donald Miller says in his book, a million miles in a thousand years. When you see your life as story, it changes how you view conflict. And from the research of Dr. Carol Dweck, we know how you relate to conflict, whether you run from it or lean into it, that is the determining factor on whether you will be successful, whether you will reach your potential, how you relate to conflict. And the story structure that we just described is an incredible way I think, for thinking about the conflict in your life as the most important things in your journey. And so what I want you to do is I want you to reflect back on your whole life, all the way when you were a kid. You know, Brian McDonald, story expert, would say it this way. He would say, your story is what have you survived? It's a different way of just talking about the same thing of what stopped you from getting what you want, what you thought you wanted, but ultimately gave you something you needed. Now we talked about story examples. I wanna tell you real life examples. Um, You know, for me, it was ADHD, okay? You know, I'm gonna tell you a little personal story real quick, right after a quick message from our lovely sponsors. show for a long time, you know that I have a a, a kind of strange, kind of tragic relationship with my mom. My mom, when I was really little, everybody in my life would be like, you're just like your mom. And I was like, that's awesome. I love it because she's the coolest person in the world. She's funny, loud. She draws pictures. She's just so cool. And uh, as I got older and I, and she just went from tragedy to tragedy, constantly struggling, you know, abandoned two families, got into just awful, awful things. That idea of being just like her took on a totally different meaning. And, you know, I decided that I wanted to be at all costs. I wanted to be the opposite of her. I wanted to never be like her because I was convinced that would give me what I needed of being a good person, being a good dad, being a good husband, being a contributing person to society, everything that she wasn't. And then as I got into my 20s and I found out, you know, I'd I'd pushed myself, I'd tried so hard to overcome who I was and overcome how I was like her. And no matter how much I tried, I couldn't do it. I just, the same things kept coming up. And then around age 25, I got diagnosed with ADHD. That was the conflict. I realized that this is the part of me that's like my mom. And it's not a 
habit that I can get over. It is a part of me that I cannot escape. And it stopped me from getting what I wanted, getting me to be the opposite of my mom. That's what I wanted. But ultimately, it gave me what I needed. Because what I realized, when I realized that this was a thing that was never going to change, I realized that the most of the problems that my mom had were trying to be someone she wasn't, constantly trying to overcome herself, not be herself, you know, be a normal secretary, be a normal waitress, be a normal stay-at-home mom when there was never any chance for her to be normal and that the worst things about her were the ways that she wasn't herself. The things she tried to repress would just continually bubble up. And I started to read and understand ADHD. And instead of trying to repress it, I started to try to channel it. And I tried to build on the strengths of it instead of always trying to minimize the weaknesses. And eventually I realized that in order to be the person I wanted to be, I didn't need to be the opposite of my mom. I needed to be more like her than she ever was. And that's my story. That's a huge part of my story. And I went the, in psychology, there's a word for it. They, they call it pro-being pride versus pro-being shame. And a huge part of this podcast is about finding out who you are, you know, going into the parts you're afraid to look at, embracing your whole story and embodying that and, you know, using every bit of it because you are unique in all the universe and you contain the universe's most complex inner machinery. And we have to dig in to find out what is different about this crazy bio machine that is your brain and your DNA and your story and what is it capable of. That's what this show's about. And it comes from this idea of pro being pride. Pro being pride is, are you, are you pro being proud of who you are, or are you pro being ashamed of who you are? Do you see yourself as something to repress and resist, or do you see yourself as something to cultivate? And that's when I made that shift, it changed everything for me. That is just a little example of what I mean by the things that you've overcome. But I've also told stories on this show that I'm not going to go into in a deep way at this moment, but you know, times like my first chance at working with Nickelodeon, failing. That was what I wanted, that dream client. That's what I wanted, but it gave me what I needed. It showed me I wasn't prepared or ready, and I needed to dig deeper within myself. You know, invisible things, my, my, my kids' property, illustration stuff that I do, that whole thing came from being at illustration school and them saying, you got to draw the things that you love. And, you know, the people around me were drawing pugs and, and, you know, space stations and just all these different things. And every single thing that I loved were invisible things. <laughs> I thought, I want to be an illustrator, but everything I love is invisible. And it wasn't until I realized, like, that thing that was stopping me was actually the thing that gave me what I needed when I started 
to draw, when I started to discover all, there's a huge history of artists that have personified the invisible. And I got inspired by, you know, people like the book, Dragons Don't Be Discreet or Remy Charlip. There's all these people, you know, it, it goes way back to the muses, to, you know, mythology, trying to name the forces with these gods and goddesses. And I was obsessed with that as a kid, like putting imagery to the invisible, you know, that, that, Everything I loved being invisible and wanting to be an illustrator, that seemed like this huge conflict when actually the obstacle was the way, as, you know, the Stoics would say. And so what I want you to do is have a reflection period. Build your practice on who you are. You are a story, and your story is about how conflict gave you what you needed in surprising ways. And so think back to what were the things that, stopped you in your tracks? What were the setbacks? What were the tragedies? And what are the things that they gave you that you needed? Those are the little stars in your constellation of who you are and what your story is. And that's where you want to build your practice. And then after you do that, you can let your curiosities help you start new, you know, social media. If you want to get on TikTok, get on TikTok. If it is aligned with your story. You know, for me, I think it actually is. For a minute, I was like, I have to do TikTok. I don't know. I don't want to learn it. But I tried it out and I was like, actually, this is super fun and really cool. And I think it's actually a great place for the kind of stories I want to tell. But I know that because I know my story. When you know your story, you're going to be able to recognize what ideas are for you and what aren't. You're going to allow yourself to, to play from that curiosity rather than run from your fear. Okay, so I think we're going to start doing our homework and calling it a CTA, your call to action, your call to adventure, since this is Creative Journey Podcast, <laughs> here's your call to adventure, how to have a quick win, how to take some action on this stuff right now. Go and identify your life stories. I'm, I'm just checking in with uh, Frank in the back. Frank, are we going to have an uh, Instagram stories template for this? Yeah, you, you got to make it though. Yeah, if I make it, I have yeah. to make it. All right, I'm going to make it. Go follow me on Instagram at Annie J Pizza. They'll be in my stories, a little thing you can screenshot and fill yours in. What I want you to do is identify the stories that defined your life as just some kind of, again, going back to this constellation idea, each one of these stories is a little star in the constellation that are you. These stories make up who you are. They'll give you some hints at what you're all about. I got this practice from a podcast called The Myths That Make Us with Eric Godsey. It's one of those uh, recommendations that I'm going to put a little asterisk by because I've only listened to a few episodes. I also know it's, it's very fitness heavy. There's a lot of, you know, neurotropic psychedelic talk stuff. I just don't know anything about and don't, don't want to co-sign outright. I'm not really a, a super fitness guy either. So I don't know much about it, but I did hear on that show that he likes to talk about like, what is the myth that made you? And from your childhood, you know, what was one story that just freaking cut you to your core? I've been thinking about how there's lots of art that I really like. Then there's stuff that I'm like, this transports me to a new universe. If you've seen that show, I think you should leave with Tim Robinson. There's an episode, there's a skit where he's a motorcycle dude. He's actually a motorcycle alien. 
and uh, he thinks all the vehicles, <laughs> this is not important, but he thinks all the vehicles are different types of motorcycles. He sees a motorcycle. He's like, whoa, he sees a bike and he's like, motorcycle, no motor. And he sees a, <laughs> a car. This is just an excuse to quote that show because I love it so much. I'm sorry if you hate that show. It's very polarizing. <laughs> I, I saw a tweet the other day that said the, the, the most uh, awkward 20 minutes of their life was when they went home for Christmas and showed an episode of I Think You Should Leave to her parents. I've had that experience with certain people showing him this show, but <laughs> so unimportant. But it's like, sees a car and he's like, two motorcycles, little house in it. Anyway, he sees a Greyhound bus and he starts to teleport to a higher dimension out in space. And his body's like, gets like, you know, kind of beam of light. That's what happens on certain experiences with stories and art. And I can't explain it, but when I listen to Sweet Thing by Van Morrison, not even a huge Van Morrison fan, just don't know much about his back catalog. No, he's kind of a weird guy, um, but he does make a lot of stuff and he keeps going. I'm all about that the creative pep talk stuff, as you know. But when I hear that song, Sweet Thing, I am instantly like, I am, I am 100% sure that I am attached to the oneness of all consciousness and I am transcending time and space. There's just that feeling when you encounter some kind of art that feels transcendent to you, you have these crazy experiences, you know these, what were the stories? And in that template, you're going to see, this is your call to adventure, go fill out. What was the story from preschool? What was the story from school? What was the story from middle school, high school, your twenties and beyond? You know, for me, preschools, fraggles, the specific episode, Gone But Not Forgotten, probably also The Minstrels. Those two episodes just changed my life. I'm not going to go through each one of these, but Spider-Man School, Times, Ace Ventura, Middle School, The Little Prince, that book changed my life, started giving me this, up in that time, I was just kind of a goofball, and that one just opened my heart and opened my depths of my soul. In my 20s, it was, I guess I am going through all these. In my 20s, it was Spirited Away and Moomin, Tova Jansen. That stuff just like, man, just opened me up. And then now, recently, it's been movies like About Time and, and uh, also James A. Caster's comedy. Like, that stuff has really been doing it for me um, in a totally different way, in a way that's just called me to adventure, that's called me to participate in creating stuff. I couldn't just consume it. I had to participate. And so what are those things? What are the stories specifically? Specifically, that's the call to adventure. Go to my Instagram at Annie J Pizza, get a little template, and you can share the stories that made you you as a little kickstart for figuring out who you are and building your creative practice on that solid foundation. Just want to leave you with one last little thought. Uh, I'm a huge believer that artistic growth goes hand in hand with personal development. You know, uh, I really believe that creative breakthrough is predicated on personal breakthrough. They go hand in hand. If you, if you want to make deep creative work, you got to be a deep person. That means digging into who you are in your story. But I just want to leave you with one little thing because, yes, in order to express yourself, you have to know yourself. And, and no one's going to know you if you don't. But... You can't wait to start making creative work until you found yourself because making creative work is also maybe the best tool for answering those questions, for finding out who you are. And you know, that's why hence the whole, you gotta start before you're ready thing. 
because making your work is gonna be the, the best, quickest, most effective way, not just to express the self, but to excavate the self. Like my son riding his bike, you gotta pedal faster than you think you're ready for to find that balance, to find that balance between self-expression, self-excavation, to find that balance between expressing yourself and, and, and knowing yourself. I actually think you gotta create more and, and faster and, and make more mistakes and make it before you're ready. And so I don't want this episode to get in your head and be like, no, I gotta go on this personal journey. I'll come back to my practice in 10 years when I've found myself. Because, you know, our best guess is that you're a story. That's my best guess. You might be a hologram. Either way, I think the tools in this episode will help you find who you are and build your practice on that. It's January. We still have some 2022 Creative Pep Talk calendars. I like to get weird with this calendar. I forget what months I put what artwork. And so when I turn the new page, I'm like, this is my creative mantra for January or February or, you know, the months, um, how they go along. Go fill up your 2022 with Creative Pep in advance. Uh, you know, surprise yourself in July and be like, you didn't know you needed to hear this. This is your your uh, message to embody creatively that month. Uh, very proud of this calendar. Some of my favorite, um, I feel like it's my favorite collection to date. Um, I don't always feel like that, by the way. I, I like all the calendars we've made, but this one's special to me. Go check it out, creativepeptalk.com. No, no, it's creativepeptalk.etsy.com. Go get yours before they're gone. Start the new year right. Massive thanks to the band Y for our soundtrack. Huge thanks to Connor Jones for editing this show so fantastically. Um, he's part of a company called Pending Beautiful, and they make beautiful stuff. Love working with those people. Thanks to Ryan Appleton and Sophie Miller for content assistance. Huge thanks to our podcast network, CoLoop. The CoLoop Podcast Network is a network of creative podcasts that are chosen and designed and curated to be things that are going to stoke your creativity. If you go to co-podcast.co, going to find the Kalu podcasts that are currently on the network. We got ones for visual artists. We got ones for all kinds of creators. You can actually, I actually get sometimes get more out of listening to people in a different medium because I can kind of see it from a distance. Things like the wandering wolf. That's Yoni Wolf's podcast. The guy lead singer of why all of our music is from him. He's on a hiatus on the show, but there's a huge back catalog of in, uh, interviews with indie musicians and people in his life that have influenced his music and I've found so many good things like people like the lead singer from Hop Along and the singer from Future Islands all kinds of incredible um, stories there got all kinds of great podcasts go check them out co-podcast.co and huge congrats to my friend uh, Morgan Harper Nichols. She's a poet um, and visual artist. She has a podcast on the network called The Morgan Harper Nichols Show. And 
Apple podcast just named her show one of the 2022 Mindful Beginnings podcasts of the year. Go check out her show if you need to find some of that. Maybe you're pepped out of your mind and later you need to get you need to get calm, you need to get mindful. Uh, that's a great kind of zig and zag of the podcast network. Congrats, Morgan. That's awesome. You totally deserve it. And pumped to have you on the network. All right. Happy New Year, everybody. I hope this one is an incredible one for you. And until we speak again, stay pepped up. <laughs>